Blog Talk Radio. The Roman Show pays homage to those who lost their lives in the vicious and uncalled for terrorist attacks in Paris and Beirut. Our prayers are with the victims and families. The Roman Show prays for Paris, Beirut, and those affected. Step down to the get down. All right, whenever you're ready. You're ready. Five seconds to the open. Aquarius, watch that little gimbal. We don't want you coming off in space. Booster, go. Retro, go. Lido, go. Fly. Guidance, Surgeon, go. Lightning, go. Go. GNC, we're going. Tell me, go. Control, go. 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 We are going. Network, go. Discovery, go. Capcom, we're going. Fly. Launch control, this is Houston. We are going to launch. The Roman Show. With your host, Rodolfo Roman. Welcome, everyone. It's The Roman Show. I'm your host, Rodolfo Roman. This is the episode of November 17. Today, we welcome Ricardo Lamas, who meets newcomer to the featherweight division, Diego Sanchez in Monterey, Mexico, this Saturday. The fight is part of the UFC Fight Night card airing on Fox Sports 1. And we also welcome the night's main event fighter, Calvin Gastelum, who meets Niall Magny. This plus much more here on The Roman Show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at The Roman Show. You can follow me personally, at RomanDH. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Roman Show Media. And our YouTube, that's youtube.com slash our Roman O201. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning into the Roman Show. Our numbers are skyrocketing thanks to you. Keep forwarding the Blog Talk Radio link and all of our, our previous podcasts that we have had. We're nearing 300 episodes, believe it or not. And ironically, this year we celebrated. Four years. To this date, we have not had a proper celebration, but I promise that we will very soon. Just a quick reminder to visit us on our website, theromanshow.com, where you can check previous interviews that we have held here on the program. You can always revisit them anytime, any place on theromanshow.com. And you can follow us on iTunes. Just subscribe. And you will always be notified when our podcast is posted. Well, this is going to go ahead and take us straight to MMA Showdown, where, boy, do we have a lot to talk about on this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners all around the world, welcome to The Showdown. Well, everyone and their mama is talking about Ronda Rousey's knockout defeat by the hands of the new UFC bantamweight champion, Holly Holm, including former WCW, ECW, WWE, and TNA star Taz. To paraphrase what he said, the big box, the he says, the big boxing and MMA fights are predetermined, saying a champ can't be away for months, sitting with a belt. He said Rousey did get hit, but that Rousey might have known she was dropping the title. Now this goes because Rousey had stated previously that she was taking some time after this fight to film some movies. And 
other engagements that she has in her agenda. Taz, with all due respect, you're trying to get the publicity on your show. But MMA is a legit sport. Listen, I love WWE. I love professional wrestling. I'm not I'm not taking a shot here at professional wrestling. But Taz, dude, it's not a work. This is MMA. And yes, they put these two together. They're both athletes. Ronda Rousey in herself is a legend herself. No matter what, no matter all these funny memes and all these nonsense comments that people have made, including Lady Gaga. But that just goes to show you how much this woman did for women's MMA. You have people like Lady Gaga, people like Leila Ali, the daughter of Muhammad Ali, who is also a boxer. You have everyone in the world talking about Ronda Rousey. That's how much she did for the sport. Not only, not only for women's MMA, but for MMA in general. Let's be frank here. So, Taz, for you to say that this is a work is a slap to the face of the sport. Yes, I get your point. You don't want your champion to be basically babying, right? Babysitting the title and not putting it on the line and putting it to work. I get that. But this is not the WWE. This is not professional wrestling where you can go ahead and pass that title to other individuals to carry the banner of the company. Holy Hom won the belt fair and square. She had a game plan, and it worked. And the funny thing is that Ronda Rousey knew exactly what she would do, and, well, she didn't listen to herself. She got knocked out. And that's what happened, Taz. This was not predetermined. They didn't sit down in a in, in a round table and talk about, well, folks, let's put home, let's put Rousey, and uh, Rousey, you're going to lose the title. It doesn't happen that way. It does not happen that way. The referee wasn't in it. As you said, that maybe the referee was in it. Maybe. That's what you said. Sad. Rousey didn't lose the title because someone told her to. She lost the title because she lost to a better fighter that same night. And I said this on a tweet. Ronda Rousey did has done so much for the sport. That losing the title is nothing compared to what she has accomplished. To people like Mike Tyson, former boxing legend, a boxing champion. So many of the greats have reached out to Ronda Rousey because of what she has been, is to the sport of mixed martial arts. She put this sport on the map. She was featured on Ring Magazine, a boxing magazine, for goodness sake. What what has not this girl? What this girl has done it all. Movies, right? She is a rock, right? To pro wrestling, to Rousey is to MMA. What else do you want? But this is not a work. This is not a gimmick. She lost to a better fighter, and that's what happened in Australia, Taz. Fair and square. There's nothing else that you can say. And so much show. There's so much appreciation and respect to Ronda Rousey that Holy Hom herself has said, hey, stop it with the nonsense. I respect her. She'll be back, and we'll get her back here, and we'll have a rematch. In fact, Dana White has said, and he went on the podcast of Joe Rogan and stated that after this loss, Ronda Rousey is going to return as a savage. It could very much well be. I mean, 
Ronda Rousey just lost the fight because she thought that she can trade blows with Holy Hom. Little did she know is that she's not at her level. This is why the sport is called mixed martial arts. Meaning, if you are good at one thing, you can is, you can always go to something else. Like grappling. You can grapple Ronda Rousey. I bet you if you would have done that, you would have taken Holy Hom to the ground. And you would have submitted her with your armbar. And that's exactly what I had stated previously in the past show. You know, if she stays away from the st- distance, she doesn't get frustrated. Ronda Rousey could possibly have a chance. I, I had her winning. I'm not going to lie to you. I had Ronda Rousey winning because I thought that she was going to be smarter than what she did. Unfortunately, her emotions got the best of her and she got knocked out. But no matter what, Holy Hum deserved that. Congratulations to Holly and... I can't wait for the rematch between these two, possibly in UFC 200. Hey, another fight that was really, really good, and that's the strawweight champion, Joanna Jedczak, who competed against Valerie Latinor. We had Valerie here on the program last week, and I have to tell you, Valerie really did bring it to JJ. Kudos to Valerie. Joanna had uh, actually received a broken hand, so she'll be out of action for some time. And in the world of mixed martial arts, well, we have a lot of action this weekend because the World Series of Fighting will be taking place this weekend on Friday, actually, with WSOF 25 featuring an eight-man tournament. That's for the lightweight title uh, shot against... Uh, that, that, that means that whoever the winner of the tournament is will get a shot at Justin Gaethje, the lightweight champion. In that tournament is our good friend Luis Baboon Palomino. He'll be a part of this, and you never know, maybe third time's the charm. If he wins this tournament, he'll be getting a shot at the title against Justin again. Listen, I would love to see those two battle one more time. Also, on Friday, Bellator 146, that takes place on Spike TV. The WSOF show will take place on NBC Sports. And on Saturday, you have Fox Sports 1 showcasing UFC uh, Fight Night live from Monterrey, Mexico. And on that fight card, we have another good friend of the the program, Ricardo Lamas. He joins us next right after the small little break we got here in the program. He tells us how fatherhood has has a new meaning to his fighting career. Listen to Ricardo Lamas, what he has to say about fatherhood. Guys, I know how hard it is to work year-round, day-long, week-long. Then you come home and you get all this other stress. Well, let Massages and Space take care of you. That's MassagesandSpace.com. Check them out. They are located in Miami. All you got to do is give them a buzz. They'll treat your body right and trust me, you'll walk out like brand new. MassagesandSpace.com. Hey, Ricardo, man, so thanks so much for taking your time as you're getting ready for your November fight in Mexico against uh, Diego Sanchez. First, I want to congratulate you, man. I know you got a baby. How, how's father life? Uh, father life is great, man. Um, he gives me a, a new motivation to, you know, keep training hard every day. And, you know, i got a family to provide for now, so uh, I feel like uh, I'm an even more dangerous opponent now than ever. Yeah, being being a father, how do you manage to to work out with your schedule? A fighter's schedule is in, is intense. You know, you're in the in the in the gym three, two, four times a day. 
And how do you work that out? How how is it? How have you managed to do it now? Well, luckily, you know, my wife does a great job taking care of him when I'm at the gym. So she she does a lot for him, and um, I try to do what I can. You know, being being exhausted, getting home from the gym and everything, and uh, you know, I have the night shift of of the first time at in the middle of the night when he wakes up, of feeding him. So I I try to do my part with all that, but uh, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to my wife for really taking the brunt of uh, taking care of him during training camp. And, and you said you are a more dangerous fighter now. You know, having a bringing a child in, in, in the family that in itself is a huge motivator, huh? Yeah, it is for sure. Like I said, you know, I've always uh, kind of used the possibility of a future family as motivation for training. But now that he's actually here, and I actually have, you know, I, I cut my wrist for this kid. So those those days when I don't feel like getting in the gym, I I think about him, and uh, it gives me that motivation to to get in there and keep going. So now you're in Miami. You're training at the MMA Masters when you come down here before your your, your fight. So tell us a little bit about your camp because you spent some time here in Miami, but you're also based out of Chicago. Yeah, um, basically I'll, I'll cut my camp in half. I'll start up in Chicago with uh, top-notch MMA, and I also train at uh, train for Warriors DuPage. I also go to Elmhurst College to do my wrestling, and then I also train at LCCT in Schaumburg. So in Chicago, I'm kind of all over the place, going from gym to gym and training a lot, and. Uh, I kind of used that first half of camp to, to really get back in shape, and then for the last month, I come down here to Miami and, and really kick it up and finish my camp out down here with MMA Masters. So so down here, what are the the differences between over there and over here? What is it that you do over there that you don't do over here in Miami? Uh, down, down here is when I really focus on, on a lot of sparring and kind of like my game plan for the fight and everything like that, and... Uh, so that's the that's the main difference, you know. When I'm in Chicago, I'm I'm training, you know, I'm training every time, I'm getting better and everything. I'm getting back into shape. Uh, I start my conditioning back in Chicago, and then just down here is just really fine tuning everything and and uh, pushing to the next level for those last four or five weeks and and getting ready for the fight. So now you have Diego Sanchez. You're welcoming him uh, to a uh, division, a weight class division. He has not been in. It's the first time around. What, what can you tell me about Diego? I know he's a He's a guy that loves to scrap. He loves to trade blows. Really not technical. He's just wild. Yeah, exactly. You know, anybody who's seen him fight, that's exactly how how it goes. Uh, he likes to put on a good show for the for the fans and everything. And he's always always ready to stand there in front of you and and uh, put on a show. So I gotta make sure that. I gotta make sure that I don't get lured into a, a street fight like he likes to do, and just stay technical and uh, be faster and smarter than him. So, so how how do you manage to to control a fight like that? This guy wants to trade blows, and you want to keep the pace at a momentum that you want to. How how is it that you get in the driver's seat and control the fight when you got a guy like this? Uh, well, I, I gotta use my movement and my speed. You know, I think I'm gonna be faster than him. I have to use a lot of footwork. I have to angle out. Diego's kind of a guy that that moves in a straight line forward and back, you know, he only has a, a forward and a reverse. So, um, I really got to cut corners and cut angles. And, and, uh, when, when he comes in thrown real hard, I have to, uh, hit, pick my shots, uh, and, and move out of the way. Yeah, and I mentioned this because 
your teammate Luis Palomino, who's a good friend of yours and a friend of the show here, you train with MMA Masters. You know, he and I asked him um, before his fight against uh, Justin at the WSOF, but kind of the same thing that you're you're getting yourself into. You know, Justin is a guy who loves to brawl, and uh, Luis, in the first time around, he went ahead and, and followed his his game with the with the with the, the the back and forth, uh, that that crazy fighting style. Um, I want to ask you about Palomino. How have you guys uh, been been training? He has a tournament now coming up. You know, he came out a little short against uh, his uh, his uh, past fight. But are you guys pushing yourself more that you guys are so close with your fights coming in November, both in the same month? You know, it's it's weird because every time I come down here, we're we we both always have a fight like the same month. He's fought. He's gonna fight the day before me, and this isn't the first time that's happened. This has happened before, so. Mm-hmm. It always kind of lines up real well. We both have fights to train for when I come down here. and uh, Yeah, we definitely push each other, and uh, I think we get the best results because of that. I remember on social media, I think you posted a while ago a video of Baboon, and I thought that was so funny where he filmed himself <laughs> in, in in front of a camera. I think he was doing some capoeira moves. I don't know what the heck he was doing, but this was like five years ago, right? No, that wasn't even Baboon. That was no, just some dude who it looked, looked like, like Baboon. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I posted. It. I just posted it as a joke. No, that that wasn't him, bro. Like, <laughs> it looked, I'm like, man, Baboon lost a lot of weight. What did he do? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was just a random video I found. I was like, this guy kind of looks like Baboon. I'm yeah, like, you know, so I just made a little joke. Man, I, try, I I was crazy looking for pictures. I'm like, was this Baboon? Like, you know, maybe ten years ago or something, and. <laughs> I've never seen Baboon like this. A little so bit. I think, they, I think they could be related or something. <laughs> he looked exactly the, the same, just out of shape. I mean, that, that's just basically it. <laughs> I'm not telling you said that. You better watch it back. Oh, man. maybe it knocked me out, man. <laughs> but I am, next time I see him, though, I am going to call him out because I swear to God, I really thought that was Baboon. <laughs> I swear, I'm like, man. That's all I put. I was like, oh, my God, this guy, like... <laughs> Talking with himself and doing all these things, it's, it's hilarious. Oh my God. If that was Baboon, come on, bro. I would never let him live that video. I'd be posting it every single day, I think. The funny thing is that you put like a little nice message on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it started five years like, ago. It's come a long, yeah, come yeah. A long way from when it started. Oh, I'm going to have to share that one. That, that video was awesome. You got me on that one. I really did. You really did. That's why I had to ask you. I, I'm going to have to tell Baboon oh, myself. That's great. So, but, you know, you're a joke to yourself. You you did that video about Conor McGregor um, not too long ago. That was funny. Uh, and it, remind, it actually remembers, reminds me when we did that interview here earlier this year, the whole bunch of people talking baloney on YouTube. But do you have the, a different outlook, though, on Conor McGregor after he defeated Chad Mendes in the last fight and now he's the interim champion? Do you have a different outlook, at Conor? No, not really. Um, I, I still think he's... Uh, oh man, he, he just doesn't rub me the right way, you know. He, he's a disrespectful guy, um, and I just hate how he he takes sayings from other people, other fighters, and he like tries to pass it off as his own. Everybody thinks he's this like original guy, but uh, you know, everything that comes out of his mouth is is something that somebody else has said. He's just recycling uh, philosophies and and stuff from other great fighters, trying to make himself look great. Yeah, you know, I think it was right now when he, when um, 
Dustin Poirier, he had his his, uh, his opponent dropped out because of a concussion. He went on Twitter and started using this foul language. Do, do you think that's good for the sport, or do you think it's bad for the sport? Do you have Connor? You know, there's a way to motivate Muhammad Ali. You know, he motivated his fights in a very classy. You know, he had rhymes. Conor McGregor is just a very a guy who just throws anything out there, uh, not censored whatsoever. But do you think that's good, or do you think that's bad for the sport? Yeah, he he knows what he's doing. He's trying to keep his his name out there. He's trying to to steal everybody's thunder. You know what I mean? Like this this had nothing to do with him. I mean, the fights in Dublin, whatever. There's no way that Dana White or, or whoever would let him fight on that card. You know, they're they're saving him for the fight against Aldo. They're not gonna let him fight. So, like he's just talking just to talk, just to so that people will retweet his his little tweets and you know keep his name out there. That's the only that's the only thing he's doing. And I remember in the, the press conference, he was, I think it was uh, Dos Anjos, he was saying, fight me and you automatically become a millionaire and your wife is going is to... He, is, he, is he pushing the button too much with that? One guy I can think that was nasty like that is Ricardo Mayorga in boxing, where, you know, he touched his last opponent, um, his wife's or his girlfriend's, you know, buttocks right in the public. <laughs> I mean, is he... Yeah. You think this guy's going to get to that moment where he's going to push the limit, uh, the button just a little bit, just a notch? Well, Mayorga is, I think, certifiably insane. That dude is, like, for real crazy in the head. Mm-hmm. McGregor is just doing this for a show. I don't think this is how he really is. He's just putting on a front to to keep his name out there and, and to make this money while he can. Um, so I think that's the difference between him and Mayorga. <laughs> Mayorga really means it. <laughs> yeah, Mayorga really means it. Like, the dude is, is for real crazy. <laughs> Well, Ricardo, I want to thank so much, man, for, for talking with you, man, and taking your time, and I want to wish you good luck out there in Mexico, and I uh, hope to catch you real soon, man, in action, and uh, we'll be talking about a win. All right, man. Guys, I know how hard it is to work year-round, day-long, week-long, then you come home and you get all this other stress. Well, let Massages in Space take care of you. That's massagesinspace.com. Check them out. They are located in Miami. All you got to do is give them a buzz. And they'll treat your body right. And trust me, you'll walk out like brand new. Massagesinspace.com Welcome back. Great interview there with Ricardo Lamas who takes on Diego Sanchez. That right there should be a great fight card. And a great fight between Lamas and Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez is just a hard-hitting fighter. Who knows what this guy's capable of doing? You know, he can really get Lamas frustrated and he can three blows. And, and that could be very detrimental and a really could set back Lamas. So if Lamas stays in the game, stays to his strategy, stays to his plan, he should be okay. But I, I have this fight pretty good. Uh, could be maybe fight of the night. Because of Diego Sanchez and what he brings to the table. Let's see what both these men have uh, in their belts when it comes to the UFC Fight Night card. This Saturday, November 21st. All right, folks. Now we are going into Reality Check where we're talk, we will talk about the world of professional wrestling right here on The Roman Show. And now. It's time to give you a reality check. Well, 
former tag team champion and turned WWE coach Billy Gunn has been fired from the WWE. WWE found that uh, he had tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs back in July at a powerlifting competition. I don't want to say anything, but I have seen Billy Gunn myself. We have interviewed Billy Gunn ourselves here on the program. You can check it out on YouTube. And that man is massive. Very massive. And I can see why the WWE went and fired him. Because here you have a coach who's taking performance-enhancing drugs. And you can't really serve that as a role model to the people that he is teaching. So I see why the WWE did that. You know, Billy Gunn seems like a very good coach. But hey, it is what it is. Business is business. And the policy is the policy. The WWE had to do what they had to do. Previously, we had spoken about Ronda Rousey in the MMA showdown section. But listen, let's talk about Ronda Rousey possibly... Coming on at WrestleMania 32. Well, Charlotte has already come out and stated that if she wants a piece at the title, at her title, the Divas Championship, she has to wait in line. Ronda Rousey, previously before her fight against Holly, she said that she wanted to break a record. She wanted a title in boxing, obviously in MMA, in pro wrestling, uh, what else, in, in, in grappling or in jiu-jitsu. She wanted titles all over. That was her goal. That was her dream. Well, she might have an opportunity here at WrestleMania 32 since she's going to take some break. She's going to be filming that movie. Um, well, why not? I mean, I, I'd, I'd really like to see what Dana White is going to state now since Ronda Rousey lost the title. She, she can obviously going to be filming the movies. And why not take some time to possibly wrestle in a match in WrestleMania 32? Just to get her name back into uh, the, the, the entertainment world. Why not? Maybe pair up uh, Stephanie McMahon, you know, Ronda Rousey. Just throwing that out there. I mean, you could definitely bring in some major buys for pay-per-view. Just think about that. So Ronda Rousey wants a title or the Divas title against Charlotte. Obviously, it's going to take some time for Ronda Rousey to really know the ropes about the world of professional wrestling. But it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun to see. It'd be a lot of fun to see. Uh, hopefully, with due time, we will see Ronda Rousey, though, inside the squared circle at one point. Hey, the Roman show is going to be in Las Vegas this week. Make sure you look out for the logo there. We'll be covering the Canelo and Cotto fight happening in the Mandolin Bay so check us out. Uh, we'll be in Las Vegas. We'll be looking for some reaction from the crowd in Las Vegas. Previously, uh, well, preview before the fight itself takes place. Well, uh, I stated UFC Monterey, or UFC will visit Monterey uh, with the Fox UFC Fight Night card. And on the main event, is got you got Kelvin Gastelum, who's returning to the welterweight against Neil Magny. And Magny is actually a late replacement because Gastelum was supposed to fight Matt Brown. Matt Brown was injured. Magny stepped up to the plate. We sat down one-on-one with Kelvin Gastelum who talked about his fight, his weight cut, and his mom. Now his mother has really 
motivated gas to them to be a great fighter. Listen to the interview after this short break. Guys, I know how hard it is to work year-round, day-long, week-long. Then you come home and you get all this other stress. Well, let Massages and Space take care of you. That's massagesandspace.com. Check them out. They are located in Miami. All you got to do is give them a buzz. They'll treat your body right. And trust me, you'll walk out like brand new. Massagesandspace.com. Cool, Calvin. So yeah, um, well, first I want to ask you about uh, obviously they they change your opponent, uh, and what less than two weeks or less than three weeks. Uh, how did you react to that, and and how do you adjust your camp, knowing that you're preparing for Matt Brown, but now they give you Magni? Yeah. So when I got the text, I got a text from Joe Silva saying Matt Brown was injured, and uh, I was driving back from practice. I literally was beating the crap out of my steering wheel when I heard the news. But um, I was. I really was. Uh, and I was pretty pissed. And then he told me he'd be he'd be he'd be finding he'd be finding me a replacement. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I got the call the very next day. Um, he said he said he called everybody in the top ten. He called. Everybody and no one answered the phone except for uh, for Mr. Neil Magny and um, I was just grateful that I was getting to compete because you know I've been in camp for almost three months and you know all this hard work, all the preparation for the fight, all the dieting uh, would have been for nothing. So I'm just grateful I get to compete. With, with Magny, um, you know this is a guy who fought twice in August. He went one and one in that month, and now he's coming back. Um, he does have uh, the height advantage. He is six three. What can you tell me about this guy? And and I mean, here you are mentally preparing for Matt Brown, and then they give you Magny. How quickly do you adjust with your camp to make sure that you know you fix any holes, any gaps uh, on regards to his offense? Yeah. No, you know what? At this, at this point, fifteen fifteen days out from the fight, there's no not much adjustments you can make. Um, you know, I saw some video, but, you know, there's not much I can do. You know, at this point, I'm already, I'm already in shape, I'm ready to go, um, and, you know, honestly, I was expecting a higher-ranked opponent, but, um, but it came out to Neil Magny, he was the only guy that was available, and, um, you know, I accepted the fight, and, um, you know, I was just grateful I was getting picked beat. How about his height, because he, he does have a height advantage in there, how do you, um, Take on tall guys, you know, when as, as, as with your height to go in there, so he could use his his um his reach. How do you go ahead and 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 beat a guy like this? Um, well, it's not, he's he's six three, and he's not the first guy that I've fought mm-hmm. that is six three. Um, he's definitely the toughest guy in the division with the longest reach. But you know, this is not the first time I've. I've fought somebody that tall. You know, Josh Mandel, I fought him on the Ultimate Fighter. He's mm-hmm. huge. Bubba McDaniel, he was huge. Uriah Hall, he's a huge guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I I didn't have much, you know, obviously it's an issue, but, you know, it didn't affect me in the, in, in the fight. And in the, in this fight, you, you, you switch camps. You're now in Kings MMA um, in California. Right. So tell me about that, that change from where you were before 
to where you are now, why you why did you make that change? What was needed that was missing from the other camp or maybe adjustments or whatever the reason was? Yeah, it was just it was just something personal for me. It was just more like uh, I need I need to get out and just see different things and learn from different people and just change my environment and uh that's exactly what I did. I came over to Kings, I had built a I built a pretty good relationship with Verdun, with Fabrizio, mm-hmm. and with um, Rafa Cordero, his trainer, uh, when we were training together in Mexico City. Um, so I, I've known them since then. You know, we, we built a pretty good friendship between uh, all of us. And, and uh, one day I just decided to, to go and visit and see how it was. And I did, and I loved it, and I felt like I was really at home the atmosphere in the gym is like no other no other gym that I've, that I've been in you know and I've been some of the best camps in the world I've been a TriStar I've been a peak takedown with John Hendricks I've been to the MMA lab with Benson Henderson and, uh, and I was over at Alliance in San Diego so I've been to some really good camps but uh, the atmosphere in, in this gym is just like no one uh, no other no other gym I've, I've felt before I know that in the past but killer I, I, and you mentioned Verdum, and I know that the, the file he's always posting all these images and uh, of you guys in camp. But you mentioned Verdum. I remember, I think a while ago, you said that after your MMA, you would like to possibly take on the role of a TV commentator or whatnot. And, and you've been doing all of these um, media tours for the UFC in Latin America. And Verdum is a guy right. who's doing that for him, for for the UFC. Uh, he's become a face right. for the Hispanics. Is this something too that you've been venturing on while you're keeping busy in training? And 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 tell me about visiting all these countries. Uh, did you ever picture yourself doing this ten years ago? Back. Uh no, I never, I never thought about it. I never thought about it. At the end. You know, the more that I did it, the more that I liked it, the more that I got comfortable with it, and, and it's just something that I actually really enjoy doing. So it's just, this is something still very new to me, and it's, it is something that I've worked on. You know. And uh, that I have been working on for the last few years, you know, because before I, I would hide hide from the camera. Now I'm able to just kind of, uh, you know, I've learned to deal with all that attention and stuff like that. So it's just something that I've been working on. Now I want to go back to way, 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 way before you got into UFC when you were a bail bondsman. Can Can you take me back yeah. to those days? I mean. What what are some of the crazy things that that, that you experienced uh, in that? How long did you do it? Did um, there was, was it very very violent at that time? Uh, that you encountered an incident? Uh, I was for two years. I did for two years, and um, you know Yuma. I, I was in Yuma. I was living in Yuma. Yuma's a small city. Not much goes on. Not much. Uh, you know the. Not much goes on. So everybody does what they're supposed to do for the most part. Mm-hmm. Some people break the rules, and, and we have to, you know, either arrest them, put them back in jail, and stuff like that. But <clears throat> nothing too crazy ever happened in, in that office for, for us. But during this job, you're working, you know, you're not your typical, I mean, whatever the hours were, but you were, what, 8-hour shift, 12-hour shift? But were you also training during this time as well? I mean, take me back to those days. Yeah, yeah, I was working, man, I was working 45, 50 plus hours uh, a week because it's, uh, you have to be you have to be available 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be asleep 3 o'clock in the morning, 
you get a call, hey, you know, I'm in jail, I need to get out of jail. And then, you know, you start working the, the bond from there, and then you have, you have to go to the office, you have to talk to the family of the person that's in jail and sign all the paperwork and, and all that, and, and then go to the jail, turn in the bond, wait for the guy to get out of jail. So it's a process. But at the same time, uh, I was training. I was. I took two hours. I only had two a two-hour gap in my day to uh, to train. I, I I remember when I got hired. I, I I did it with one condition that I had two hour a two-hour gap to train because uh, I mean they were they were keeping me busy. And, and and you don't remember you don't recall any of these these individuals you had to help help get out of jail that they gave you a, you know uh, uh, gave you problems. No, 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 fortunately for them, I never had to use any force, you know, or anything like that. Now, while that happens, so I remember your your first fight was in Mexicali in Mexico. Um, yeah. Who, who booked this fight? Take take it back to those days. How how was uh, how did it all come about? Um, from what I understand, the, the location wasn't uh, you know it wasn't your Monterey Arena. It was a very small place and. Right. People were from Arizona throwing bottles and describe to me that atmosphere and 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 that day or that process. Yeah, so I was a senior in high school. I was seventeen. I had just won the, my uh, my wrestling state championship in two thousand nine, and then um, you know on my off season I would train MMA. So by that time I had a little bit of knowledge into what jujitsu was and a little 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 bit of skills in every aspect of the game. Um, so I, I was done with wrestling season and I got offered a fight in two days notice over in Mexicali and, um, I was 17. So my friend had to come and he, uh, he had to convince my mom to let me fight. My mom knew it was something that I really enjoyed doing. So, um, she let me fight, obviously, but the very next day I cut a few pounds and then go over to Mexicali, weigh in, um, and then the fight itself was was uh, was pretty pretty interesting because the arena was connected to like a strip club. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the arena was was connected to like a strip club, and um, and I was 17 at this point. I remember warming up for the fight. I was hitting pads. I was rolling a little bit, and then the, the this person from the club, the staff. He comes into the room and he says, "Hey, you guys, you guys have to get out of the room because you know this person is about to come in and use it with this lady, and who knows what they're gonna do in that room, you know?" <laughs> but <laughs> but they kicked us out of the room, and we're like, "All right." So I had to go outside and warm up, and then <clears throat> once that was done, I was up next to fight. I had to go through the actual club uh, and into the arena. Uh, which was which was pretty different because uh, you know I'm 17 I'm 17 at this point and right. uh, you know I'm looking around I'm looking around the club and there's a bunch of naked women and uh, you know I'm trying to stay concentrated on, on on fighting you know I'm literally walking to the fight to the arena right. and I'm seeing all these naked women uh, but no yeah you know, I stay I stay focused uh, I stay focused and uh, you know I go out there and, and, and do work and three minutes I I got an arm bar in, uh, in the first round so I won that fight and at 17 years old uh, and that's when when really I I, 
I uh, fell in love with the sport. I knew that that's really what I wanted to do for for a long time. Now, at seventeen, did did you get paid for a fighter, or what? What was the the, the terms at that point? Yeah, I got paid two hundred fifty dollars for that fight. Did you have to sell tickets or anything like that? Uh, I did, but I didn't. I didn't even bother. I mean, I got two days' notice. You know, not much time. So they 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 went ahead and, and and let you slide and and then you you went back a second time but was it the same place or it was different? See different uh hmm. different different arena. Uh, I went and fought in the same arena twice and then I fought uh, the third time. Uh, I fought uh, in a different arena in a different club. <laughs> <laughs> but the state it was a strip club. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that's crazy. So, and here you are, man. I mean, flash forward to now, you're in like in a huge arena uh, in Mexico again. And d- describe to me that 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 atmosphere. You know, the Mexicans provide compared uh, to the states. You know, compared to fighting in the Vegas. Right. Well, the, the Mexican fans are are pretty passionate. I remember fighting in Mexicali, and the guys. You know, talk a lot of trash, and they talk trash to the fighters. They throw trash in the ring. They throw bottles in the ring. Uh, so it's pretty different with the Mexican fans. They're very passionate. Uh, you know, it's something I appreciate, though, because you know, I, 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 I feed off the energy from from the crowd. You know, if, it, if it's good energy, uh, I like to, to feed off of it. And, and now your your parents took you. Obviously, you, you fought your your first fight was in Mexico. But as a kid, did you used to travel a lot to Mexico? Your parents used to t- take you there. Um, you know, all my family is really on on this side now. They're all over in in Arizona, so not much, not much. I mean, we did visit every now and then, but not not very frequent. And, and your parents were they they born in Mexico or or were they their parents? Yeah. They were both born in Mexico. And what, what what did they do for a living? Um, man. Well, my mom was a single mom, so she she worked like two to three jobs. Wow. Um, just a bunch of crazy, grimy jobs at first, but then she got really into the uh, restaurant business. She, she she managed a bunch of restaurants, and then she was a waitress for a long time. Just and then was a chef for a long time, so she did a lot of jobs in, in the restaurant businesses. And, and your dad? Uh, um, well, honestly, I don't know much about him. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, we won't, we won't go there. <laughs> so your your mom, you, you obviously got a lot of the her work ethics from her. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So how do you feel? You know, I'm, I'm Hispanic myself. How do you feel then? You know, since everyone's talking about immigrants, Mexicans, Latin American, Hispanics, with the, the politics, how do you feel when they 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 attack us? You know, and they say, oh, they should send them back and so forth. How, how do you feel? Not as a fighter, of course, but but as a person, as as a as a person who was born to Mexican uh, parents or Hispanic parents, how do you feel when these presidential candidates are saying things like this, knowing the hard work that we put in in America? And everywhere else, wherever we are. Wait, I'm sorry. What was the question? That, yeah, that, yeah, as you know, with the presidential candidate things going on and Donald Trump saying all these ridiculous things, you being Hispanic, um, what are your thoughts 
uh, when they touch base on immigration and, and everyone's talking about, uh, not everyone, but Donald Trump says the comments he said about Mexicans and Hispanics overall um, about not working and not, 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 not providing to America. Oh, I think I think it's uh, uh, ignorant. Uh, first of all, because all the you know all the all the, the immigrants that come from Mexico, they take jobs nobody else in the world would take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, and, and that just makes this country go around. I think. I mean, they take jobs that that we really need that people don't think. You know, but um. It's just ignorance, I think. Gotcha. And, oh. <laughs> I, I, and now, I want to go back to your mom. Your mom, she wasn't okay with you at first fighting. Now she's 110% supporting you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. She, I mean, she she was okay at first. She's always been okay with it. You know, she she knows I have a passion for it. She knows it's it's what I love to do. Um, and she wasn't going to deny me that, that, uh, she, she just wasn't going to deny me that, you know, she obviously, she cares about me, she cares about my health, but, uh, she wasn't going to deny me going after my dreams and pursuing my, my dreams, you know? And, and what was her name? My mom? Yeah. Patricia. Patricia, last name? Patricia Encinas. Encinas, how do you spell that? I-N-A-S. Gotcha. And last topic, Cub, I want to touch about the, the weight. I think the last time I the last time I spoke to you, actually, uh, you have moved up to weight class. Now you're back to Walter weight. What have you made with this with this, this changes with the weight? I mean, has it been the food, the nutrition? Has it has it been a challenge uh, compared to the the first time you tried it? T- take me into that. Um, so I, I got a nutritionist working with me, and he's living here in, in, in L.A. He's, he's buying buying all my groceries, cooking all my meals, and that's just something, one last thing I got to worry about in, in my camp and, and that aspect. So this has been one of the easiest, uh, this has been, without a doubt, the easiest uh, weight cut that I've, or, or, you know, diet that I've had. It's, everything's been smooth. Everything's been going well. My weight cut is way ahead of schedule. Um, you know, and it, and it's just been a, a really good, smooth process with with uh, George Lockhart, who's been helping me out with my nutrition. It, compared to the the first time around when you had it, when you had a previous nutritionist, how how does this guy's making your food? Do you, the previous guy didn't do that for you, or he, this guy's making better choices? No, no, I've never had anybody here buying all my groceries and, and cooking all my food. All they do is put it in front of me, and all I gotta do is eat. <laughs> you know, I don't have to worry about what I, you know, he, he's the one that's got to worry about what I'm eating, how much I'm eating, what's in the food. So, um, you know, it, it just makes my job a lot easier. And um, it's been it's been working so far, you know. I, everything's way ahead of schedule. I'm feeling good. My conditioning is good. My weight my weight is way ahead of schedule, you know. And I've never came into fight week uh, this light like I am right now. So it wasn't like that the first time around when you had the other nutritionist. It, that, that they didn't make the food for you and, and and so forth. No, I've never had it like that. Now, last last question here. Matt Brown said that the UFC had invested in the nutritionist. Is, is that accurate? And and if so, how does it make you feel that the promotion you're fighting for, they're they're investing. You know, they they really care about you and they really believe in you. 
Yeah. Well, it's not something that I probably should have said in public, but yeah, they are. Uh, I asked for help, and they, and they, you know, are helping me out. You know, it's just something that I really have an issue with, mm -hmm. and that I needed help with. And you know, the UFC lent out their their hand and, and helped me out. So, um, you know, uh, I think if Matt was in the same position, I think they would have done the same for him. You know, I'm just clueless when it comes to nutrition. I don't know anything. So, you know, why not get a, a professional nutritionist to help me out, to really get everything on point and, and make my body feel good, and, you know, and have have me perform at 100%, especially with, with my, my first main event coming up. Yeah, and that's right. It is your first main event. I mean, you got, you got any chills? I know... Some fighters say, say that every time they step in, they always get butterflies. But I mean, this is this is it. You're the creme de la creme. You're the you're the man of the hour in Mexico. Oh, man, I, I'm honored and I'm privileged, and I'm so happy with with what's going on in my career right now. And it does feel good that you know they're kind of uh, you know uh, how do you say it? Incl uh, inclining? No, they're uh, you know kind of leaning on me to be that, like, Mexican, uh, the face. Mexican period. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, it feels good, the UFC supporting me, and it feels good that they're, they have faith in me. Once again, you know, Dana gave me another, another opportunity at, at 170 pounds, so, it just feels good that, um, you know, they have faith in me, they believe in me, and they want me to do good, so, uh, I'm really happy with, with what's going on in my career right now. Awesome, Kevin. Well, I want to thank you so much, man. And by the way, does your mom, does she still, does she own a restaurant now? Or do you help her out? Or maybe you one day you want to open up your restaurant? Yeah, you know what? She just did. She just did uh, a few, like, not even two months ago. Like, this was very recent. She just opened up her own little spot. Wow. Uh, just a little taco shop. Uh -huh. A little taco and hot dog shop. Something small, you know. Uh, but she's doing really well with it. And, and um... I'm really happy. And that's in Yuma? Yeah, that's in Yuma. Do you know the name of the restaurant? Yeah, it's called El Campeón. El Campeón. Have you gone out there or helped her out? or? No, I haven't. I've been over here training and I haven't been home for a little while. So, no, I, have, I haven't checked out the spot. I haven't ate none of her food over at the spot. So, uh, after the after the, the fight, I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. And maybe you want to, you know, we retire. Maybe you have your own little place yourself. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What, would it be a taco shop too, or something else, some other food? Uh, maybe we'll branch out to different categories. But for now, I mean, Mexican food, tacos, hot dogs, stuff like that is good for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you, man. And good luck on uh, next Saturday. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, man. Thanks for joining us here on The Roman Show. We want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in this evening. George Masvidal joins us here next week on The Roman Show. He meets Benson Henderson in the main event of the UFC Fight Card set to take place in South Korea and airing on UFC Fight Pass November 28th. Follow us on Twitter at The Roman Show, Facebook, Roman Show Media, YouTube.com slash Romano 201 and visit our website anytime, anyplace, theromanshow.com. If you haven't been on, you haven't been heard. Thanks for listening to The Roman Show.